uh, following David's stunning victory over Goliath, Saul promoted him and brought him into the king's court. Remember that big victory over Goliath? Soon Saul gave David command of Israel's army. With each battle won, David became more of a hero in the minds of the people, even becoming more popular than Saul. Remember that song that the people came up with? What is it? And that's because of how popular it became with the people, more popular than the king himself. The king's son, Jonathan, developed a strong relationship with David. Jonathan had already commanded the army to win two significant victories. And in chapter 13, and verses 1 to 4, well, we, we're going to not look at that because that's kind of, kind of long, but uh, the two significant victories. So David encouraged, David's courage likely attracted Jonathan to David. And so we have in the friendship of J David and Jonathan uh, what it means to, or what it looks like to forge a friendship. And I encourage you to read uh, that story again and be refreshed uh, by what real friendship is really all about. That's a tremendous story about friendships. Uh, let's look at the first question. What have you enjoyed most about your friendships over the years? Closeness. Closeness, okay. Anyone else? Well, think about the, think about the names of people in books or movies and TV shows that had friendships uh, and, 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 and shows how significant or exceptional those friendships are. What do you remember about those friendships that you've seen in, in movies or television shows or some books that you probably read? Remember Huck Finn? Story of Huckleberry Finn? <laughs> yeah, that was a good friendship. Uh, what about those stories and things that you read? Anything exceptional stands out to you? Yeah, like in Anna Green Gables, the phrase she uses is that her best friend Diana was a kindred spirit, and I would I would say that of uh, some of my dear friends through the years. Okay, kindred spirit. Friendship is open. Open. Okay. It's free. Uh huh. There's no secrets, so you don't have to be embarrassed. Friendship is at any given time that you can. You can go to a particular place or a particular place can come to you and discuss and the monkey died and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. You have to fight to be a friend to you to have a friend. You know, you have to make yourself friendly with some, you know. Some people will be a friend, but you're not a friendly person. You be a friend, you're a fine friend. Okay. A good friend is better than some, than some time than money. A friend is a kind of one. That's right. Okay. Good. Anyone else? And sometimes a good friend is, sometimes you'll be closer than some young relatives. Yes, that's right. Mm. That's for sure. Yeah, I have a friend who, uh, brother here at church, became a good friend as a result of um, working with me in my work issues. He's a good contractor, 
And so in the work that I do, we have to do repairs all the time. You know, whenever something breaks or something broke. And so I always look for somebody on our, our list at Calvary Bible Church who can do something and give them the work. And as a result, uh, this brother and I became very, very close. And um, when my boss does needed some work to be done, you know, I called him and he went to them and he came to me one time, we were sitting and talking. And he says, boy, I want to get just like where you are. So I said, what are you talking about? He said, I was sitting down and talking to your boss the other day and they said, you know, they don't consider you an employee. They consider you a friend. And, he, and they said to him, but you're not there yet. I said, one day you're going to get there. I said, wow. And that's the kind of people they are. You know, um, I don't feel like an employee. That's the way they make me feel, like a friend, you know. Uh, and that's what friendship is all about. Okay, let's look at Bible Meets Life on page 22. How many friends do you have? These days, people typically answer that question by calculating the number of Facebook friends, Twitter or Instagram followers, and contacts in their phones. In our fast food, microwave, disposable world, it's all too easy to pass through life with lots of acquaintances and scores of connections, but few, if any, close friends. Ironically, many people in today's world feel lonely and isolated, even while being sur surrounded by masses of people. So, a better question to ask would be this, how many close personal friendships do you have? In this session, we'll explore an incredibly deep and powerful friendship recorded in the book of 1 Samuel, the friendship between David and Jonathan. Along the way, we'll discover what the scriptures teach about developing true friendships at last. Okay. And what's the point of our lesson today? Strong friendships thrive because of shared commitment. Okay, have you found that to be true in your friendships? Yes. Strong friendships thrive because of shared commitments. Have you ever been in a situation with a friend and you face a crisis and the two of you sat down and cried together? Yes. That's true friendship. You know, they feel your pain, you feel their pain. And you share their joy as much as they share your joy. That's what friendships is all about. And that's what our point is. Strong friendships thrive because of a shared commitment. And you'll find that uh, the most beneficial experiences you have with a friend is when you share a commitment, the same commitment, and you have the same passion uh, for that commitment as the friend does. And I'm sure many of us have experienced that. Okay, let's uh, look at the first passage on page 23, verses 1 to 4 of 1 Samuel 18. When David had finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan was bound to David in close friendship. He loved him as much as he loved himself. Saul kept David with him from that day on and did not let him return to his father's house. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as much as himself. Then Jonathan removed the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his military tonic, his sword, his belt, and his belt. 
Okay, let's read the passage beneath that. Jonathan, the son of King Saul, was drawn to David after the younger man defeated the giant Goliath and saved the Israelite army from destruction. See 1 Samuel 17. Now that's a whole chapter, so we can't look at that anymore, but I encourage you to read that. The word translated love in these verses was used in the Old Testament for a strong emotional attachment. It could be used for the love between a husband and wife, but also for a variety of other relationships, including a daughter-in-law's love for her mother-in-law. Let's look at that verse, Ruth 4.15. Someone find that and read it, please. Ruth 4.15. This is Ruth talking to her daughter-in-law. Anyone got it? I've got it. Go ahead. Uh, 415 says, May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has okay. given birth to him. Okay. Yes. So he may restore your youth and care for you in your old age. Okay, continue to read on, Sister Brenda. And a father's love for his son. Genesis 22. Someone look at that one. And then he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I will tell you about. Of course, we remember that story, right? And, uh, and he obeyed immediately and went to do it, and the boy didn't resist. Interesting to point that out. Okay, read on, Sister Brenda. To better understand Jonathan's love for David, we should note another key word in this passage, covenant. In the ancient world, a covenant meant much more than a nod and a shake hand. It represented an inseparable commitment between two parties. Covenants like this one were common in those days. Not the exchange of garments and other items in words form. In that culture, exchanging military yeah. there represents the highest form of honor. Jonathan also gave his royal robe to David, demonstrating his humility in referring to David his rightful claim as heir to the throne of Israel. Wow. Mm -hmm. These two men are like in their affection towards God and concern for each other would now and forever be identified with each other, even as Christ identified with us through his new covenant, so that we could be identified with him. No wonder why um, so I was so mad when she was on Notice. So I knew that, so I knew that with doing that, that room was going from, from him and going to, mm. and going to the lady. But have you ever seen people who are who are jealous because of relationships that other people have? Yes. Yeah, there, there are people like that. Mm -hmm. Notice the uh, the first paragraph. 
Jonathan, the son of King Saul, was drawn to David after the young man defeated giant Goliath and saved the Israelite army from destruction. The word translated love in these verses was used in the Old Testament, notice, for a strong emotional attachment. It could be used for the love between a husband and a wife, but also for a variety of other relationships, including those we mentioned uh, already in, in Ruth and also in Genesis 22. Brother Randy, just for a moment, mm -hmm. I think the whole picture there in a nutshell, Jonathan really realized and saw that God was with David and David yeah. was a better person yes. in yeah. Babylon. Yeah. And he was, so therefore, rather than coming secondary, he made first step make him as his superior. That is what I see in this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I would say, Saul, Saul knew it. I, I, David did it, but Saul, David wasn't David didn't recognize what he was doing, but Saul knew, and that's why Saul was so good. But David was natural. That, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and, and, and Saul noticed it. Jonathan loved David, and at some point, that love inspired Jonathan to initiate a covenant with David. Though the terms were not stated, that is, the terms of the covenant were not stated, at the very least, the two men pledged their friendship and absolute loyalty to one another, meaning they would always look after the needs and welfare of one another. And in today's time, we would say, they had each other's back. <laughs> As Saul's oldest son, Jonathan, Jonathan stood in line for the throne of Israel. Okay, now this is interesting about this relationship. Jonathan stood in line for the throne. Okay, but who was God given the throne to? Okay, I'm sure Jonathan knew that, right? Yeah. The Lord had already rejected Saul as king and therefore had instructed Samuel to anoint David as the next king. Jonathan sealed the covenant by removing the robe he was wearing and gave it to David. Robe in this case means a royal robe worn by the crown prince. Therefore, when Jonathan, Jonathan gave this robe to David to wear, it equaled Jonathan renouncing his claim to the throne. All right, so Jonathan didn't have no issues whatsoever about David becoming king, even though he was the next in line for the throne. Yeah, That's God, friendship. Jonathan didn't realize that. That was God work. God was working in that Jonathan. I'm getting it. Don't get it. So he did it, right? But he didn't realize what he was doing. He sealed it. Saul knew this. God orchestrated it. That's right. But Saul knew all what was going on, and that would really get Saul. So yeah, that's what God Saul ticked off. Jonathan also gave David his military tonic, his sword, and his bow, and his belt, thus symbolizing that the two soldiers had indeed become knit together in a unique relationship. Together, these gifts represented Jonathan's willingness to relinquish his hopes for his father's throne, to acknowledge the Lord's choice, and to express his loyalty to David. All right, talk about friendship. Okay, how many people you know that would want to give up their rights? Well, Randy, I think in that case, Jonathan, he may not be into the Balaam, I don't know, but 
the fame of David Meadow with just a sling. And if anybody found that in their mind, it would make you think, this, this person, you know, mm -hmm. real, you know, this mm -hmm. person did all this work with just a sling. Mm -hmm. So that thing went all through. through That's right. Okay, question number two. What obstacles can hinder us from, from forming deeper relations, deeper friendships? What are some obstacles that you Jealousy. have experienced? Huh? That is the one that Jealousy, that's the major one, right? Yes. What else? Lying. Lying, okay. What else? Envy. Envy and jealousy is almost yeah. the same. Yeah, envy and jealousy are basically the same. And of course, cars to close yourself, just not really opening yourself up and being transparent and real with people. Okay, lack of transparency. Okay. One of the major obstacles in the friendship between David and Jonathan was Jonathan's father, the king. We can read about that situation as we jump to 1 Samuel chapter 19, verses 4 to 7. So let's look at those verses. Go ahead, read it. Jonathan spoke well of David to his father Saul. He said to him, The king should not sin against his servant David. He hasn't sinned against you. In fact, his actions have been a great advantage to you. He took his life in his hands when he struck down the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great victory for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. So why would you sin against innocent blood by killing David for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan's advice and swore an oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. So Jonathan summoned David and told him all these words. Then Jonathan brought David to Saul and he served him as he did before. Okay, continue reading on. Jonathan and David had friendship that withstood all manner of trials. If any friendship had a reason to fall apart, there surely did. Yet they stood together and defended each other. After slaying Goliath, David quickly became famous for his military conquests. He was very popular with everyone, except the king. Saul was insecure, and his jealousy of David led him to try repeatedly to eliminate the younger warrior. Saul threw his own spear at David in chapter 19, verses 10 and 11. Let's look at those verses for you. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Now Saul, this, go ahead, yeah. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. Okay. So, um, go ahead. Saul the required that David pass a test to pay the bride price for marrying his daughter, Michael. In truth, Saul was setting a trap expecting David would be killed. Okay, uh, 19, 20, 29. Someone read those? 1 Samuel 19, 20, 20, 
verse 20 to 24. Okay, I got it. He sent troops to capture him, that is Saul. But when they arrived and Saul and saw Samuel leading a group of prophets who were prophesying, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men, and they also began to prophesy. Verse 21. When Saul heard what had happened, he sent other troops, but they too prophesied. Same thing happened a third time. Finally, Saul himself went to Ramah and arrived at the great well in Seku, where, where are Samuel and David, he demanded. They are at Naoth in Ramah, someone told him. Verse 23. But on the way to Naoth and Ramah, the Spirit of God came upon Saul, and he too began prophesying on the way to Naoth. Verse 24, he tore off his clothes and lay naked on the ground all day and all night, prophesying in the presence of Samuel. People who were watching exclaimed, what? Is even Saul a prophet? Okay, read on. Saul tried to convince his own son Jonathan and his servants to kill David. Okay, 19, chapter, chapter 19, verse 1. Somewhere like that. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. Okay. Jonathan would not honor such a wicked request, even from his father. Instead, as we see in this passage, he rebuked the king and stood between Saul and David. In short, Jonathan stepped in as David's advocate. Okay, continue on page 26. Jonathan had all the rights of royalty awaiting him as the king's son, yet he sacrificed them for his friend. What a beautiful image of Christ. Jesus laid aside all he had in the glories of heaven to come to earth, identify with us, and draw us to the Father. Okay, Philip Philippians 2. two. Someone read that? Philippians 2, 6 to 8. Nobody have it? Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Verse 7, instead he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Okay, read on. Jonathan's life, well, no, even now, whenever we sin, he serves as our advocate before the Father. 1 John 2.1 1 John 2.1 mm. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Jonathan's life exhibited a faithful love for God that led to a deep and abiding love for his friend. Jonathan's approach to friendship echoed what Jesus said centuries later. No one has greater love than this, 
to lay down his life for his friends. John 15, verse 13. Okay. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we see uh, some interesting points on that bullet list, didn't we? Don't, didn't we? What do we know there? Couple of things, right? Three points in particular. Saul threw his spear at David. This after he said that he would never kill him, right? And then Saul required David to pass a test to pay the bride price for marrying his daughter Michael. In truth, Saul was setting a trap, expecting David would be killed. This after saying he would not kill him, right? And then thirdly, Saul tried to convince his own son Jonathan and his servants to kill David. So he's had a conspiracy. All right. Well, we know the whole story behind those incidences, right? Question. What, brother Randy? Um, when you look up in those verses in First Samuel 19 at the top of the page, Saul said, "As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed." But he didn't say he wasn't going to try. That's right. <laughs> That's had, true. Ask others to try. Yeah. But he was pronouncing what the truth, the reality would be. Mm -hmm. Good point. Question number three. What risks do we take when we stand up for our friends? What risks do we take? Losing your life in some instances. In some instances, losing your life. Yes, we've heard stories and, uh, where people lost their lives because they stood up for their friends. Okay, what other risks do we take? You basically, when you stand up for your friends, it shows the integrity of the individual. If it is good or bad, it is there to be tested. Okay. And we often see something like that in, in families, right? Because in, in, yeah, in David Jonathan's case, it was a family issue. All right? And so he was risking, he was taking a risk in his family situation with regards to his friendship. And you no know, friendship like this. Mm -hmm. I have never seen no friendship like this. Mm -hmm. This I never seen. <laughs> no. mm -hmm. This is a lead from God showing up every day. Jonathan and David's love very unusual. Very unusual friendship, <laughs> yes. It's the epitome of a friendship. Okay. All right, let's look at the. Um, exercise there. Friendships past. Who have been your strongest friends? This is on page 25. Who have been your strongest friends in the different phases of your life? Use the space below to list those friends and record what you know about them now. Anyone did that? Mm -hmm. I want to share it? <laughs> okay, it's a good exercise. Your closest friend, where they are now, elementary school, middle school, high school, young adult, five years ago. Okay. How, how have these and other friends helped you find and follow Christ? Okay, so that's a good exercise to do. Helen Keller writes, Walking with a friend in the dark is better than walking alone in the light. And that's what Jonathan and David's friendship speaks of, right? It highlights that, that very sentiment. 
Okay, let's look at the other verse, uh, the last verse, 1 Samuel 20, 10 to 13 on page 26. Going once? Going twice, anybody? So David asked Jonathan, who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? He answered David, come on, let's go out to the countryside. So both of them went out to the countryside. By the Lord, the God of Israel, I will sound out my father by this time tomorrow or the next day. If I find out that he is favorable toward you, will I not send for you and tell you? If my father intends to bring evil on you, may God punish Jonathan and do so severely. If I do not tell you and send you away so you may leave safely, may the Lord be with you, just as he was with my father. Okay, continue reading us. Saul's attitude toward, Jonathan, toward David ran hot and cold. At times, Saul loved David. Other times, he wanted to kill him. It's no surprise then that David feared for his life. Even though it might have been understandable that Jonathan's loyalty had been torn between his father and his friend, Jonathan held firm to his covenant. He told David, if I ever find out my father has evil intentions against you, wouldn't I tell you about it? Verse 9. In the seclusion of the countryside, the two men devised a plan that would protect David and determine Saul's intentions. As David hid, Jonathan would sound out his father and then communicate what he learned to David. During this planning, Jonathan gave two bold declarations. One, Jonathan prayed that the Lord would punish him if he did not protect David as he had promised. This statement demonstrated his complete integrity toward David. Two, Jonathan prayed that the Lord would be with David as he had been with Saul. This affirmed Jonathan's willingness to sacrifice everything, including his claim to the throne for his friend. Jonathan risked his own life to maintain his commitment and friendship with David. He knew God's hand was on David, the future king. Jonathan did ask that, in return, his friend would show kindness to his household forever. And years later, even after Jonathan's death, David would maintain his side of the friendship. He brought Jonathan's crippled son, Mephibosheth, into his own house. Mephibosheth ate at David's table just like one of the king's sons. 2 Samuel 9, verse 11. There's no doubt we all like a friend like Jonathan, someone to stick with us in good times and bad. And we need to be that kind of friend to others. Such friendship brings glory to God. The millennium after all these events, another man would demonstrate an, an even greater example of this depth of loyalty. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth, taking on human flesh to die for sinful humanity. Nothing would deter him from keeping his, this commitment. He came to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19.10, sacrificing all for us. He took the Father's wrath for our sin. He bore our shame and he made a way for us to be called his friends. See John 15.14. Okay, John 15.14 is the last verse. 
You are my friends if you do what I command you. Okay, we have a couple of points there, that main points in that passage we read that we want to highlight. The first one is Saul's attitude toward David ran hot and cold. At times Saul loved David, other times he wanted to kill him. The second point is David risked his own life to maintain his commitment and friendship with David. He knew David's hand, he knew God's hand was on David, the future king. And then the third point is there's no doubt we'd all like a friend like Jonathan, right? Someone to stick with us in good times and bad. And we need to be that kind of friend to others. Normally when we describe a friend, we often use that phrase, right? A friend who is good in, who's good to us in good times and bad times. Okay, last question. Now we have question number four. How do we typically respond when a friendship becomes complicated? What's a typical response when there's complications in a friendship? Some people back off. Some people back off. They, they withdraw, right? Some speak negative things. Some speak negatively. Sister Brandy says something? Back off. Okay, you back off. All right? Or withdraw. You know, they don't like to complicate issues by pressing the issue. Okay. Um, question number five. What can we learn about healthy friendships from the story of David and Jonathan? There are a lot of things we can learn. Yes. What are the things that hide that stand out most? Mm -hmm. What true and real friendship is all yes. about. Okay, what genuine friendship is really what it looks like. What genuine friendship looks like. This is a Jonathan and David's friendship is a picture of what friendship, what a real friendship looks like. So if you have a question what a friendship looks like, you have a friendship with someone and, and you, you know you have some questions about it, look at David and Jonathan's friendship and you'll see a picture of what it really looks like. Brother Randy, also friendship is a very delicate thing. It's mm -hmm. because sometimes the human nature of the individual makes mistakes mm -hmm. and a good friend will never bring that up. And we see the delicacy of friendship in, in Jonathan and David's relationship as well. Of course, of course. That's one of the things that stand out. Any good friendship has been tested. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's, uh, time is gone now, but let's look at, live it out. How we can uh, flesh this out now in the week ahead. Okay, uh, consider the following options. Uh, what are some ways we can imitate David and Jonathan this week? Consider the following options. Say thanks to a friend. If you have a friend who has stuck by you through adversity, thank that person. Also thank God for this friend and let your friend know of your prayers. And then make a sacrifice. Follow the example of Jonathan and David and even more of Christ by demonstrating a sacrificial friendship to someone you care about. Give up something in order to bless that person in a meaningful way. And then reward a relationship. If you let someone down in the past years, 
or did not stand with that with someone during a difficult period, seek to restore that friendship. Let Christ be seen and honored as you return to being the kind of friend he calls you to be. And finally, if there's one thing we can learn from our disposable drive-through culture, it's that the number of our friends is that a, the number of our friends doesn't matter much. It's the quality of our friendship that counts. May you be blessed with strong friendships based on a shared commitment to Christ. And that's what really counts, right? Shared commitment, especially with Christ. Amen? All the difference in the world.